Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Movie Breaths Podcast. I am Carter and joining me as always is Jonathan. How are you holding up over these last few weeks, Jonathan? I'm staying self-quarantined in South Carolina and teaching my film classes online, which is an adjustment, but I'm getting to rewatch good movies. I've watched Face Off and Exorcist in the same day, so, you know, it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah it's, if there's one blessing in such dark times, is that a lot of people have time to watch movies. One yeah. not blessing in these times for sports fans like me, it does not matter so much to Jonathan, is that there are no live sports happening. And to fill the void in my life, we are going to count down our top five sports movies of all time. Well, for me, six, because I have a tie for fifth. Um, for me, too. I don't know, just sort of outline your relationship with sports before we, we start this off. I am a noted sports fanatic, any sport, I will watch it. You, I know you kind of like basketball, but kind of oh, hate no. everything else. <laughs> no, I hate everything. I'm a, I, I, my line is that I'm a proud sports bigot. I, if I never saw a sporting event or watched, I mean, I don't ever watch sporting events. The only time was when... Uh, I would go with my mother to some of the Clemson football games, and ironically, we would have what I called sports movies. I would agree to suffer through four hours of watching young men throw a ball around and get uh, brain damage, and then she would have to watch a movie like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the Kill Bill films back to back. So those were sports movies that we had a, you know, an agreement. So I never liked any. My thing with basketball is that if I had to watch a sport basketball would be the one that i could tolerate because it's, it's definitely simple. shorter than football i don't know do you have a feeling that in a few decades that like football might not really be around uh, anymore that's definitely my my thought on the topic or at least youth football maybe only like college and professional but yeah i mean there might be like a cap where people can't play it till they turn 16 but uh, yeah definitely participation in football will no time over the next 25 years so uh i basically could name about three people in the main sports and that's about it like i i didn't know who kevin garnett was until i saw uncut gems uh, <laughs> but I, such are the power of movies that you will watch a sporting event if it is inside of a movie and presented okay. well yeah so well, you want to start out since you're the sports fanatic i will start and, off with yeah. my tie for number five and speak of the devil brain damage and young people my First tied for number five movie is Friday Night Lights, directed by Peter Berg from 2004. I was thinking of putting this movie higher on my list. This came out at a very impressionable time for me. I think I was 12 when it came out, and I was playing middle school football. So for like the next 10 years, Friday Night Lights was like everybody's reference for discussing football. And I don't know, it's special not just for the way it shows football, but for the way it shows like a Texas town uh, entirely revolving around football, where football is like literally the only thing people care about. In Texas, I don't think we'll see a nose dive in high school football. That might be the only place. But have you seen Friday Night Lights? No, but I was mentioning before we started recording, I've been catching up on podcasts, and the director of the film Peter Berg. Mark, yeah, he was on Mark Marin's podcast recently because Marin had a small part in one of his his recent Netflix film, and they actually were roommates for a while. Oh, but wow. I've heard the film is really good, and I've heard the television show is excellent. Yeah, too. people say the TV show is like the pilot of it is like one of the best TV episodes of all time. I actually have never seen it, just because I don't know. I love the movie. I feel like, well, I mean, people say it's really good. Kyle Chandler's in it. Um, 
don't know, this is getting <laughs> off topic. But yeah, Peter Berg, I had most known from as an actor before that. He was in Corky Romano. <laughs> yeah. He's also in Collateral. He was in the TV show St. Elsewhere for a long time, too. Oh, I really? Think. Yeah. But yeah, it also, I mean, it introduced so many young actors like Garrett Hedlund. Uh, that was the first movie I ever saw him in. He blew me away in Friday Night Lights. It's Billy Bob Thornton's in it, right? Billy Bob Thornton, an amazing performance as a head coach. Uh, I'm probably one of my favorite Billy Bob Thornton performances, honestly. But yeah, Friday Night Lights is just such a great depiction of small town football, Texas football. Uh, I don't know, I love Friday Night Lights. I'm sure a lot of people listening have seen this movie. It's definitely one you need to check out. I think even not liking football, you would you would like this movie. Yeah, well, I should preface my list by saying there have been plenty of movies I've seen in my life that I really like that are about subjects I care nothing about or have no knowledge of, really. I mean, the thing about a good film is that it can take a subject that you don't have familiarity with or you dislike, and it's about the character's involvement and their enthusiasm, and you're watching the characters go through it, and that's what drive you know drives your interest and drags you into the movie. So I guess I should say that my number five well, let me, is... Let me, should I do my Tide for number five first? Okay, yeah. Because it actually transitions very well from what you just said. My tied for number five is a movie about cricket, which is a sport I knew absolutely nothing about before I started watching it. But after watching it, I actually became a pretty big cricket fan. The movie is Lahan, Once Upon a Time in India, directed by Ashutosh Gowariker from the year 2001. One of the great Bollywood films I've ever seen. It's actually available on Netflix right now if anyone wants to check it out. It's spelled L-A-G-A-A-N. It's an incredible Indian film about small-town Indian life in the late 1800s, and the awful, mean British try to impose a double tax on them, and they get the try or like the local people to play them in a cricket match, and if the Indian people win, they won't have to pay taxes for like 25 years, and if they lose, they'll have to pay three times their taxes. It's like three and a half hours, you get some amazing Bollywood songs, and the music is by A.R. Rahman, who... I'm pretty sure he won an Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire uh, for one of the songs. But either way, he's a very world-renowned uh, <laughs> musical writer and performer. And the music in Lahan is amazing. But if you don't like the Bollywood thing, you can fast-forward through the musical scenes and the movie will be about an hour and a half shorter. But either way, even if you don't like cricket, like this is a sport that will make the sport interesting for you. And for people who have never seen a Bollywood film, this is actually a pretty good introduction to what they're like in it's one of the more watchable ones, and especially because part of it is in English, because they have a, a lot of English actors playing the the colonials. My number five film, and it goes along with my idea that you don't have to like the subject matter, because I think this film is very sarcastic, and I'm not sure how to think about whether the care, you know, how much it takes the sport seriously. Is the original The Bad News Bears mm. from 1976, Michael Ritchie film starring. Uh, Walter Matthau and one of his best performances, oh, yeah. I think, especially in a comedy and a young Tatum O'Neill. And this is a great example of a quote unquote family movie from back in the day that is really profane mm -hmm. and really couldn't get away with some of the stuff that happens. Well, in they that tried movie. to remake it with a uh, Billy Bob. Yeah. And Richard Linklater actually directed it. Oh, yeah. Um, it is not as good as the original. Right. I've only seen the original and it's been a long t time since I've seen it, but I just remember it being really funny, like one of the better uh, comedies of the 70s that wasn't done by like Mel Brooks or Woody Allen or mm -hmm. one of the SNL people. It's just this really 
uh, funny, sharp film about this alcoholic coach of this, what is a little league team, mm-hmm. these little bratty kids. And, and it's, I, I don't know. I mean, you've seen the original, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a young Jackie Earl Haley as the cigarette-smoking motorcycle-riding 12-year-old. Right. So would you say that the film is irreverent towards sports or is it really about sports or is it like what would you say is the the it's about youth sports it's it's it i don't think it's irreverent towards sports i think it treats youth sports as an occasion for even kids who don't like sports to just be around other kids and be in a social environment um i I think it's it treats youth sports kindly but i mean it definitely you could say the film is irreverent and sarcastic but it's not about the subject you know, it's not irreverent. Yeah, the it actually, I think, is treats baseball with a decent amount of respect. The game itself. Right. And spoiler alert, uh, this is one of the sports films where they don't win at the end, mm-hmm. like uh, Rocky. You know, the, uh, there's a number of great sports films where I remember someone was saying uh, on a podcast that there was some politician that had the Rocky theme as their campaign song and they were talking about how much they loved Rocky and how much they were inspired by him and that it was inspiring his campaign. And they're like, you remember he loses at the end of the first film, right? <laughs> like, like, it's like, I, you know, the host was saying, I think that, you, you should know, have done Eye of the Tiger from Rocky three where he comes the champion. Right. But uh, yeah, the original, the bad news bears, uh, like I said, great Walter Matthau performance. And it's uh, one of those seventies family films that would, even though they did remake it, uh, it it's, it's not one you would probably want to show like an eight year old. Cause it has some <laughs> pretty strong profanity. Not that I have a problem with that, but it's a very funny film. And Michael Ritchie uh, is a really interesting director, did a lot of uh, underrated movies. This is not at all sports, but he did a really underrated film called Smile about a beauty pageant um, that stars Bruce Dern and Barbara Feldon from Get Smart, which is like a really sharp satire on a lot of different things about America. So, but the original Bad News Bears is my number five. He also did The Candidate, which I like a lot. Right, and I that's um, Robert Redford, and he also did mm-hmm. a film Downhill with- Racer, which is an, another sports movie. Right. But what's your number four that's actually just one film? <laughs> yes, exactly. Now I will go by the rules. I just needed to get my Bollywood movie in there. My number four, what I consider to be the greatest basketball movie of all time, Hoosiers, directed by David Anspaugh from 1986. Um, an absolutely legendary Gene Hackman performance as the really volatile, possibly psychotic uh, head coach of an Indiana basketball team. This is just an absolutely iconic movie. I think like everyone who grows up playing basketball ends up watching Hoosiers. Uh, they try to be Jimmy Chitwood shooting the uh, Chitwood, not Chitwood, shooting free throws in the backyard. It is just a classic underdog story. It's I mean it's basically what like you want from every sports movie where the the underdog team ends up winning the championship at the end over the city people from Indianapolis. Um, also great Barbara Hershey and. Aside from Blue Velvet and possibly Speed, maybe my favorite Dennis Hopper performance, and I think that this was something of a revival for Dennis Hopper, who was very well known for doing uh, Easy Rider in the late 60s. And then I think mid-80s, like this and Blue Velvet came around the same time. He had a bit of a career revival. Yeah, I was going to say that they came out the same year, Blue Velvet and Hoosiers, and when the Oscar nominations came out, and it was... Uh, best supporting yeah. actor nomination for Hoosiers. He went, what, what? <laughs> Everyone thought, I mean, looking back, he should have been nominated for Blue Velvet, which is like one of the greatest villain performances oh, yeah. ever. 
but um it was just a little too psychotic for the academy yeah and uh but but yeah, he I've is really him. really good in hoosiers so i hope he wasn't too surprised by getting he plays the alcoholic father of one of the guys on the team who's also the assistant coach and uh, an incredible scene where he's watching the state championship or listening to it i can't remember in his hospital bed and he's the heart of the movie dennis hopper although gene hackman as the head coach is steals a lot of the seeds or doesn't steal the seeds i mean he's the central focus but without dennis hopper would be much much lesser movie yeah it's uh i've seen it and i enjoy it i think that it's like the it's the best of those very standard yes you know underdog stories but it's done very well it's yes. like the way to do those movies yeah I, yeah the the story generic. itself is about as generic as it possibly could be yeah but it's it it, it still works um mm-hmm. i was this isn't on my list but and it's not the same thing as the underdog but one of the movies you might be surprised that i actually really like is the natural which came out around the same time when we mentioned robert redford recently like that's such an like old-fashioned movie oh, yeah. Wonder, like it could have come out in the 40s oh my stuff. god yeah Harry Cooper. <laughs> but uh yeah i really like uh the natural but uh my number four pick is the wrestler darren aronofsky's 2008 film which was just really moving and we talk about comeback uh career research oh, yeah. for mickey rourke and it kind of stopped at that. Like they gave him a big role in Iron Man too, but mm-hmm. like what else has he been in besides like one of the expendable films? <laughs> yeah. I think he kind of like, he had this amazing comeback with pretty much that one film. Yeah, but, I think he left it all on the table of the wrestler. Yeah. There are some great TMZ uh, videos of him uh, shit talking uh, Donald Trump, which are fantastic, <laughs> but uh, he does give an incredible performance yes. and it's actually my favorite Darren Aronofsky film. And it, it's not his only film he didn't write. It's uh, one of the only ones he he didn't write it. And it's very much a Darren Aronofsky film in some ways, but it's not nearly as kind of in your face as something like Requiem for a Dream and Mother. But it's such a moving film. And I think that it really shows it, it's a really good portrait of someone who's involved in, you know, you could argue about devotes wrestling. his life to his sport. Right. It's a really good portrait of someone later in life that was in sports and what their life is like, how it's much more quiet. And there's kind of this tragic quality to it. Them going to these low rent uh, wrestling matches. And it's also really fascinating that it you can see it as a companion piece with Black Swan, where mm-hmm. ballet is considered like the highest form of performance with using the body and that wrestling is considered like the lowest form and you get to see the inner workings in both those films of how ballet dancers you know how they take the impact on their bodies right like i love the scene where he's doing the fight and they bring in like glass and tacks and you see him hiding underneath his face and he's cutting himself when he's on the ground and you see the inner workings so yeah it's it's uh, I mean, the main thing that makes it work so well is Mickey Rourke's mm-hmm. performance. And even though I'm gay and Harvey Milk, uh, the Milk film yeah, with yeah. Sean Penn won actor, I would have voted for Mickey Rourke. That was a <laughs> real surprise when Sean Penn won that. Like, nobody thought that he was going to win. Everyone thought Mickey oh. Rourke was going to win for The Wrestler. I think it was one of those where it was like neck and neck, and it was like one of them was definitely going to win. But because uh, uh, um, Rourke, feel like had, Rourke had won like every award going into that. Right. And I think that uh, and, and Sean Penn had only won an Oscar just a few years yeah. earlier for Mystic River. So, yeah. But uh, I I mean, that would have been an amazing year if they had tied. That's happened a few <laughs> times because they good. both were ter- like some of the best performance of their career. But uh, I highly recommend even if like 
I don't care about wrestling at all or yeah, any sport. Yeah, I mean, neither do I. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't care about wrestling, but uh, well, actually, I would rather watch wrestling. It's that weird thing about I wouldn't want to watch people do football because it's people getting actual brain damage. But wrestling is fake, and so it's well, like it's 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 scripted. But I think the physical punishment they go through is realer than most people would think. Right. I mean, obviously, like when you hit them with the chair, they pull back a little bit, but they're still being hit with chairs. And the wrestler captures that aspect of it really, really well, where everything is scripted and. You know, you have to lose if you're the guy who's going to lose that night. But when you jump through the table, you really do jump through the table. And, like, after these wrestling events, he's, like, totally bruised and battered. And then he goes back to his job cutting meat during the day. And, I mean, it's a very sympathetic performance. It's much more naturalistic than, than most of Darren Aronofsky's films. The thing I most remember about these are the pre-match shots where he's, like, in the school. And he's just, like, sitting in, like, a kid's kindergarten room. And it's just, like, him and his back to the camera. Uh, some of those are some of the more memorable shots of, of any sportsman I've ever seen, really. Right. So I highly recommend The Wrestler. That's my number four. Uh, my number three, a movie that at one point in my life was probably my favorite movie, uh, seeing that I ran track in high school. It is Chariots of Fire from 1981, directed by Hugh Hudson. I think one of the few sports movies that actually won Best Picture. I can't think of too many others. Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar Baby. That's true. Um, Chariots of Fire is about two uh, track athletes in the 1920s, one of whom is Scottish and the other is a Jewish person who has a hard time, or he doesn't have a hard time, but at that time there was a lot of anti-Semitism throughout upper-class British society, and his goal is to sort of beat them into submission by showing him that he's better than everyone else. And these two extremely motivated track athletes in their pursuit of, I think, the 1924 Olympics, in which both of them run the 100-meter dash. Uh, it is one of the great depictions of athletes warming up for events in the sort of uh, mental space an athlete needs to occupy before an event. Some of the pre-race sequences are incredible. Obviously, most people would know it for its iconic score by Vangelis, which has probably been reused more than almost any muse, uh, movie score. Uh, I mean, it's hard for me to think of any others, maybe like Rocky or something like that. But I mean, from commercials to being repurposed to other movies. It is just an absolutely iconic score, but very, very 80s with its uh, synth music. The director did not go on to do much. He did uh, Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, which is one of the more notorious bombs, I think, uh, in the history of British cinema. But Chariots of Fire is a brilliant, brilliant movie. And it beat out Reds for Best Picture that year, which was a huge surprise to everybody. Have you seen Chariots of Fire? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Have I Seen It. I had it out of Netflix for almost an entire year, like 11 On months. On the, the DVD mail? Yeah, I had the Blu-ray of it, and I just never wanted to watch it. It's okay. I mean, it's one of the, like... It's, I won't very, say it's, one... it's very, like, old school. I mean, it does not hold up at the way that some 80s movies hold up. It feels very dated when you watch it now. It, it's not one of the films that won Best Picture that should have won Best Picture. No, and it's probably like, true. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's fine. It's uh, this borders on you know. I was saying I can watch a film about a subject I don't care about, but like this one, it's like I really don't care about track. It is just you know. You, I guess you, like you can make a great film out of any subject, but I actually did see the director Hugh Hudson. One talk about not having much of a career after that. Um, I saw him at the Quad Cinema in uh, New York City uh, with Al Pacino. They had a retrospective of Pacino's films, and it's called Revolution, I think. And oh. it's a film that they recut, and they added uh, 
Pacino doing narration like years later, mm-hmm. and it still sucks. And it isn't. <laughs> it's just it's one of those ponderous. I think boring... Natasha Kinski's in it. Is that right? I'm, I can't remember. I know that the there's the woman Donald who, Sutherland. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's in it, and the um one of the older British actresses that it showed, was also played... a box office bomb. <laughs> Yeah, but um, no, but uh, he, uh, yeah, Train Sapphires. Yeah, I, I just remember some family members that were living in South Carolina had to drive all the way to Atlanta to see it, and they were like, well, "That wasn't really worth the drive." Like, it's just like, you know, it's. I mean, I understand that if you ran track, it must have special meaning. I think that, that's a big part of it. And also, it's one of those. I don't like to judge a film about whether it did or didn't or shouldn't have won Oscars. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I, it, it's, it's like sometimes I think of a film, like I think people don't like Green Book more because it beat. I mean, that's know, definitely it, like, true. Yeah, like it definitely should not have won Best Picture. It definitely wasn't one of the top 10 films that year. But I think people shit on it more than it deserves. Yeah, they treat it like it's a bad movie and it's not a bad movie. It's just not the best movie of that year. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, Chariots of Fire, and uh, who are some actors in it? Isn't Ian Holm in it? Uh, yeah, Ian Holm plays the uh, coach of uh, one of the track athletes. Ian Charlson, one of the great actors who we lost early, uh, who's also in Gandhi, plays the Scottish uh, runner Eric Little. A lot of the actors people would know. I know, uh... ah, shit, I have this pulled up. Does it have the actor who is the star of the British version of House of Cards? He seems like he would be one of the actors. In yeah, it. I think Ben Cross is the person you're referring to there. Nigel Havers also, who has been to a few other stuff. I think he also might have been in Gandhi. Uh, Lindsay Anderson, the director of some great 1960s films, uh, plays a uh, Oxford Don. Um, just It's an extremely, extremely British movie. I think that's also one of the reasons I like it, because I'm a sucker for anything with a British accent in it. Well, John Gilgood's in it too. Yes, John Gilgood. That's who I was trying to think of. Yeah. Well, the um, the actor from House of Cards, I don't think, is in it. But it's like it has all those. Oh, that guy. It mm-hmm. has a bunch of those people in it. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm going to do my uh, tie because it's by the same director. For my number three, I have Moneyball and Foxcatcher. Um, okay, I'll start with Moneyball. I always use this as an example of Bennett Miller is the director. Yeah, Bennett Miller. And he's only he's one of the great modern directors who has only done uh, four films. He did a documentary. Yeah, he did a documentary called The Cruise. And then he did Capote, Moneyball, Foxcatcher. He did three films uh, that have one word titles and the actors were nominated for Best Actor, Capote, Moneyball, Foxcatcher. And supposedly he's doing a Christmas Carol film. Uh, But that was announced like three or four years ago. And he takes his time. But Moneyball, I always point to as like the prime example and not even just connecting it about sports, about a film can be about a subject I don't care about or hate. And I really like the film because Moneyball is about statistics Mm -hmm. and baseball. And I despise math and I despise sports. But it was one of my top 10 films that year. I think it's one of Brad Pitt's best performances. Mm -hmm. And it uses this really odd – technique where they're trying to find the best team not like the way they would pitch a team before like oh let's get all these hot players and put them together and like it will look good they like statistically came up with this uh, and this um you know what do you call it like sabermetrics a, is the is the official term for it where right. you're combining different stats that might not have been 
uh, regarded as useful before, like on base percentage. We're like, oh, what's a guy getting a walk? What use is that? Well, it puts a guy on base, and that guy on base can score, so walks are actually important. And, I mean, sabermetics absolutely insanely influenced the game of baseball. In fact, pretty much like every team uh, that is built today, they use the uh, Billy Bean as the name of the general manager, the sort of system that he used to create his Oakland A's team in 2001. This is actually my number two movie, so this transitions very well. But, uh, yeah, it's an amazing Brad Pitt performance. Uh, One of the sort of first drama Jonah Hill performances that I can think of uh, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a, a performance that I don't think is actually that exceptional. It's pretty good. But when they he should was have the, nominated Albert Brooks for Drive that year. I'm not or saying Philip that. Seymour Hoffman as the manager, I think, is a much better performance than uh, Jonah Hill in that one. Yeah, but I saw Moneyball, and because it got such good reviews, and it's just so compelling because mm-hmm. you don't have to... It's almost like the character, the the plot of the film, it's like, you don't even have to like baseball because it's about like, how can we come together and make this the best version of the team we can? And it has this weird team that doesn't seem to go together. Isn't mm-hmm. it's weird. What Chris Pratt's in the film. Chris Pratt he? plays Scott Hatterberg, the yeah. former catcher who's turned into a first baseman because he can't throw anymore and ends yeah. up in sort of the one corny sports moment in it. He's the guy who hits the home run that uh, gets the big win at the end of it. Otherwise, it's very non-traditional to like what you would think a sports movie being. I was, I was going to say, Chris Pratt has actually shown up in like a lot of really good movies in a short time period. Yeah, he was Zero in Dark Her. Thirty. Yeah, Her and Zero Dark Thirty. But um, yeah, and I think that the film, do you know that it was originally going to be directed by Steven Soderbergh? Ooh. And I think that he was like really close to directing it, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. What and, a you know, screenplay by two of the great screenwriters of the last twenty-five years or so: Steven Zalian and Aaron Sorkin. Oh yeah, and it doesn't have it has the best qualities of Sorkin. It has yes. the you know throwing a bunch of jargon at mm-hmm. you, and you don't necessarily understand really what they're saying, but it's so compellingly written that you just kind of go with it. And it, it's one of the great films too, I think even better than the big short. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one I put in the category is Margin Call, is that it's a film where it makes really complicated stuff seem really accessible, yes. but it doesn't dumb it down. And it just does a really, it, it, you watch the movie going, ooh, I don't really understand this, but I think I understand it. And it's really- <laughs> when like, you kind of feel like you learned something after watching it. It's based on the the Michael Lewis uh, book from 2003, which was kind of a sensation when it came out. Um, he, I think he also wrote the big short, Michael Lewis. Yeah, how long ago, when did the events of that happen? Was it really soon uh, after, around when the book came out? Yeah, it or... was the season before the book came out, actually. Okay, so the the film had been, it was like almost a decade after. Yes. Uh, okay. But uh, I want to go on to say my other part of the Bennett Miller is Foxcatcher, which I think is maybe even a better film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I completely agree with Adam McKay. We mentioned the big short. He said in an interview uh, once that to him, two of the most underrated films that are like vitally important American films of this century so far are Gus Van Sant's Elephant and Bennett Miller's Foxcatcher. And one thing I love about Foxcatcher is almost more than any film I've ever seen, it it's a quote-unquote biopic or based on true events where it doesn't feel constructed as a movie to tell a story and it has plot beats. It feels so quiet and subtle. And you're watching scenes that, you know, of people, 
famous actors playing people that were real, but it is so believable and you don't feel like you're being, you know, it's like the complete opposite of those biopics from the thirties and forties where it's like, this is my life story and we're going to, I mean, it's just the Rocky Marciano story. (laughs) Yeah. Or like the, um, yeah, the, the great Zigfield, but Uh I, I, it's just, I mean, I remember uh, Steve Carell was on Howard Stern and he said that he saw the film Stern did and he didn't realize till the end credits that Steve Carell was the star of the film. Oh, wow. And uh, it stars Mark Ruffalo and Channing Tatum. And one of Channing Tatum's best performances. Oh, yeah. I always am. Well, I mean, Channing Tatum's smoking hot, but (laughs) he is like he has a Channing Tatum has a better track record of working with directors Mm -hmm. in like the last dozen years than like all of the great actors of the late 60s to the like the new Hollywood era, like Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Because Channing Tatum, within like 12 or 15 years, has worked with Michael Mann, Quentin Tarantino, the Wachowskis, Steven Soderbergh multiple times. And a decent amount of Soderbergh movies. I know. And it, yeah, so he's like, he actually makes really interesting choices. And he's, I would have, that year... Mark Ruffalo was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and Steve Carell got his first Oscar nomination for Lead Actor. I would have nominated Channing Tatum also. Uh, I think all three of them give, like, career best performances. It it makes a really good use of Channing Tatum's physicality, which I think sometimes movies have a hard time figuring out what to do with them. Obviously, Magic Mike is one of the more prominent examples of using his body in movies. But, I mean, he really seems like a wrestler, like... And Mark Ruffalo, surprisingly, does someone you wouldn't necessarily think of as an athlete actually is incredibly convincing as an Olympic wrestler. Yeah, the film is just – don't expect it to be this, like, rousing sport, so it's very no, depressing yeah, exactly. and bleak. And it's and the, the word I would use is haunting. Yes. The movie is just so, uh, like, chilly, and, and Steve Carell's character is so dis, just creepy. And, yes. and there's so much going on in that film, even though it's such a quiet, subtle movie. It's just one that really stays with you. And I just think it, it was one of my top five films that year. And I, I really think it's – I don't know if I'd use the M-word masterpiece, but I think it's a pretty remarkable film. And it also has a, a good – brief supporting performance by Vanessa Redgrave mm-hmm. as uh, uh, John DuPont's mother. What's mm-hmm. his name? John DuPont, right? Yes. And I think and, the mother is Jean DuPont. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly, just last year, Mark Ruffalo played in a film that was uh, Dark Waters about the DuPont company poisoning mm-hmm. all these people. So he's done two great films based on true events that have to do with DuPont. <laughs> Both which the DuPonts probably don't like. <laughs> right. But Foxcatcher, I think, is just a really incredible film. And I think it, uh, a lot of people didn't really see it. I don't think that it did too well at the box office, even though it got – and it was surprising. I was really happy it got nominated for Best Director. It was one of those where it was uh, over five nominees for Best Picture. And it wasn't nominated yeah. for Best Picture, but it was nominated for Best Director. And I really think Bennett Miller is one of our great – modern directors uh but even though he's only made four films mm-hmm. hopefully he comes out with another film soon yeah i mean capote is fantastic i don't think i've seen the the other movie he's made but the cruise is the yeah. Do- yeah it's a quirky documentary about this this man who goes around and he's a, a tour guide it's, it's a very quirky film but yeah oh, like but he gets he does an incredible job getting performances out of an act out of his actors Right. Um, I just want to say, so I've seen, um, besides Michael Ritchie, who did the Bad News Bears, I've seen all of the directors of my 
uh, one through four. I saw Darren Aronofsky at a screening of Mother, and I also saw him just outside of Film Society at the New York Film Festival once. I saw Bennett Miller when I very early when I moved to New York to go to NYU. I saw 2001: A Space Odyssey at MoMA, and during the intermission, I was like looking around and like I'm one of out of like. I couldn't recognize him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh, there's Bennett Miller," and I told him how much I liked Foxcatcher. I told this is like a really geeky film thing to say, but I said that was a year where like almost all of the best picture nominees and like all of the big Oscar contenders were based on true stories. It was mm-hmm. like American Sniper and Wild and The Theory of Everything, and I said that it was the best film that year based on a true story. And I said how much I liked the film. So uh, Foxcatcher is a great based on a true story movie space great american film about him says a lot about america mm-hmm. and it's a great sports film well my number two is Moneyball, directed by bennett miller so why don't we move on to your number two okay do you have anything else to say about Moneyball? i mean it's before once upon a time in hollywood it might have been my favorite brad pitt performance to be honest right it's just it's such a yeah, he's, and it's, he's and so... it's, I don't know. He gets to be so charismatic in a way that a lot of times he, like obviously Seven, he's fantastic, but he's just so full of energy and he's so out there. He's very restrained in Moneyball, but I, he's just hard to take your eyes off. He's just extremely charismatic, and everything he does is ex- is incredibly interesting. And all the the personal stuff about his character Billy Bean, like half of it is about sabermetrics, but sort of the other half is about. Uh, being a former athlete and failing as an athlete and trying to get your life together when you thought you, you were going to be like the best baseball player in the world and it didn't end up that way and a big part of it is that he was like a first round pick and the an agent at the time convinced him that he shouldn't go to Stanford he should go straight to the major leagues and he missed out on a college experience and an education and that's something that he regrets so I mean, it's very, it's about, yeah, living with regrets as an athlete, not living up to your potential as an athlete, just stuff that is not necessarily touched by a lot of sports movies. I mean, and neither of them are particularly traditional sports movies or take the, the generic Hoosiers type plot line. But, uh, but yeah, I love Moneyball, one of my favorite Brad Pitt performances. It's I, probably the movie I've seen most out of any of the movies on this list, to be honest. Well, my number two pick, I saw some article about this is a great time when we're all supposed to be staying inside to finally get around to watching those really, really long films that you never felt like you had the time to watch. And I know, Carter, you love long movies. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'll say I just recently bought Hoop Dreams on Blu-ray. Yes. I have not seen that movie yet, but I am teaching or at least I'm scheduled to teach a documentary class in the fall. So I want to see Hoop Dreams. But I have one even longer than that i have oj made in america which came out in 2016 it's the seven hour and 47 minute documentary by ezra edelman Mm -hmm. that is just i think it is kind of a masterpiece it's a brilliant documentary that is about so many things it's about oj simpson but it comments on very strongly on race about the police force in california Mm -hmm. uh, in los angeles it comments on sports about fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's a staggering documentary because it just does a deep dive into all these different facets of OJ's life and branching out from that, talking about so many other subjects that are connected to his life. And I knew the basics about the OJ case. I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure that this like right around the same time, I think it was the same year they had the OJ 
miniseries. Yes. I think that was the year after. Yeah. It was like so, the spring the year after, and the other one had come out, I think, later in the year. 2015, which, I think that was, or 2016. Yeah, which, yeah uh, it, so it's the question of what is a film versus television. Cause it <laughs> well, premiered, it won the Oscar, yeah. didn't it, for Best Documentary? Yeah. It's the longest film to ever win an Oscar. It, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. It screened in theaters to qualify for Oscars, but I watched it when it aired on mm-hmm. ESPN and I think ABC at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it over two nights. Uh, like it aired and I just found it utterly compelling and like I, I've said over and over I care nothing about sports and uh, I have a family member that grew up adoring OJ Simpson yeah. like as a sports figure he was like you know especially- he was huge he was like the biggest athlete in America and I think a lot of people kind of forget that or especially people our age you only think of him as the murderer or, the or naked possible murderer yeah, yeah naked gun movies too yeah uh, but you there's even the the film does i mean everyone knows he did it i mean come on but the film doesn't you know make a stand like oh he definitely did it it just presents all this evidence that like there's something wrong with you if you don't think he clearly did it but it also makes you realize that in more than one way oj was a scum human being (laughs) he was like a dirt bag you know who beat his wife and was just like in in many different ways is an awful person and um, it's it was like fact. addicted to fame, all kinds of things. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, the film makes you think about, you know, yeah, he's, you know, he did this horrible crime, but it's like with all the police brutality and all the injustices that have happened in LA yeah. with, uh, especially African Americans, is it like, well, maybe this one guy got off, but it makes up for all the other horrible things. Well, I don't know. It makes you question big things like that and how, race and police and and fame it's just it's such it's it's a really brilliant film and mm-hmm. i i highly recommend everyone take uh, nearly eight hours and watch the film they can break that one up because it is in segments yeah. but uh, i mean that was a sensation when it came out and i think a lot of people really wanted it to win the oscar when it came out of the year and a lot of people were extremely happy that it did i mean would it you deserves- call this one like the great documentaries of this century oh absolutely it's it, you know it it's such a t- I mean obviously because it's long but it's just so towering it mm. just feels so like a it, well, it feels, feels like definitive like, like the OJ series that came out after is like what's was even very the point good. yeah well it felt it was very good too but it just it's it, I I highly recommend people watch the documentary first mm-hmm. um, and because the miniseries focuses on the trial even though it you know talks about other aspects of his life in, in the past but I was going to mention that. My okay, so I'm born on Christmas Day. My mother's born on Mother's Day, and my dad used to joke that my brother was born on the O.J. Simpson murder <laughs> because uh, my mom watched the Bronco Chase in the hospital when oh, wow. uh, she had my brother. So uh, I always remember when uh, the O.J. Uh, stuff happened because it was the year my brother was born. But uh, yeah, my number one comes with a slight caveat. I did this exercise as my top five sports movies besides Raging Bull, because for me, that is like on a a pantheon above anything else. Uh, But my number one is Bull Durham, directed by Ron Sheldon from the year 1988. Uh, It's funny. I have two baseball movies as my number one and number two. Baseball is not close to my favorite sport, but for some reason, it, it is particularly cinematic. I think a lot of that has to do with the amount of stoppages during the game. There's a lot of moments for people to like stop and think about stuff. You 
adjust your gloves, you hit your uh, the bat on your feet a couple times. There's a lot of cinematic moments in baseball. I don't think anything captures that quite as well as Bill Durham does, which is, for me, the best baseball movie ever. But more than that, it's an incredible movie about minor league sports, which I think, I mean, there's a reason it's largely ignored, because it's not the highest level of things. But like most professional athletes, never make it to the top levels. And Bull Durham, like, addresses that in such an interesting way. The lead character, Crash Davis, is sort of like the the aspect, the plot aspect of it is he's going to break the minor league home run record. And, of course, that's like a record nobody wants because that means you spent your entire career at a lower level. But uh, Ron Shelton, I think, might have been a former minor league baseball player. At least he seems like he knows everything about it. So when you watch this movie, you feel like you're like an expert in minor league baseball in North Carolina and South Carolina and Virginia. Uh, it's about the Durham Bulls, who used to be the AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Braves, which were replaced by my hometown Richmond Braves in the 90s. Um, but like my Chipper Jones played over. for the Durham Bulls. Um, what were you going to say? I was saying my eyes are glazing over because I don't know anything you're talking about. But <laughs> it, it, I, I always feel stupid when people you're in your prime, you're talking. I'm not saying it's boring. It's just that I, I'm like, you could be going like peanuts. Have you ever been to a minor league baseball game? I've never been to a base. I don't think I've ever been to a sporting event except football. For Clemson football. Yeah, that's just so funny. I mean, even people who don't like baseball go to minor league baseball games. That's sort of like the fun thing about it. But it's just summertime. It's hot outside. Go to a minor league game. But uh, I don't know. I love movies set in the mid-Atlantic. Bull Durham is set in North Carolina. Um, It's extremely funny. It's very early Tim Robbins. It's probably my favorite Kevin Costner performance, who I actually don't really like as an actor. But he is extremely charismatic. He's really funny and really, really good. Susan Sarandon. Um, as a sort of liberal arts professor slash muse to uh, baseball prospects. And Ron Shelton is one of the great directors of sports movies. He also did White Men Can't Jump, uh, which was an honorable mention for me. And also Tin Cup, which is an okay movie, also starring uh, Kevin Costner. But Bull Durham is just so funny. It's so rewatchable. It captures minor league baseball so well. It's got great act performances from its lead actors. I know this is something you haven't seen in a pretty long time, right? Right. I was saying before we recorded that the American Film Institute did a list of the 100 funniest American films almost 20 years ago. And I had seen all of the movies on the list by the time I think I was 14. So I just remember the film being very steamy and sexy. Yes. It like has some of the... Yes hottest scenes um but yeah i i just was too young to appreciate it i yes. don't dislike the movie i just n- know i need to rewatch it and it's in the criterion collection. it is it is a hard r rating so people right. under 18 maybe should avoid seeing it right i just remember my main takeaway was that it's very steamy uh <laughs> but uh well i i don't know why you didn't want to include raging bull but my number one is raging bull because it's clearly a masterpiece yes. and it's one of scorsese well, for me it transcends sports movies it's i don't know it's well, like calling it, it, taxi driver like a movie about transportation <laughs> i don't know yeah or, or like a car movie yeah, yeah yeah well i mean yeah i think that and and we've had the discussion before we started of what constitutes a sports film and you could argue raging raging bulls you know it's obviously a film about a boxer yeah. but is it really about is it just a biopic it's more of a character study yes it's one of De Niro's greatest performances. He plays Jake LaMotta, who only died a few years ago. He was in mm-hmm. his 90s. 
and uh, like O.J. Simpson, was a scumbag human being <laughs> by all accounts. And he, that was, you know, he's a tortured person who was violent and abusive, and but he was brilliant mm. at boxing. He he was able to use his brute force to do boxing, but he is kind of a monster. Yes, and it's one of the great examples of a film having a really unlikable character but it's utterly compelling and rich and the black and white cinematography the editing by Thelma Schoenmacher the performances by uh uh, um, Joe Pesci Joe Pesci is incredible in this movie as as his brother slash trainer and manager who is just completely shit on by Jake like the whole movie but sticks with him until like the breaking point where he's like I'm not gonna be with this guy anymore Right, and the actress in the film is Catherine, Catherine uh, Moriarty. Kathy Moriarty, and she's terrific in the film. It's, it's a, it's, it's one of those films that's not quote unquote fun, yes. but it's just such a great work of art, a great work of cinema that it it like transcends the unpleasantness yes. of it. When well, Scorsese says he's just so talented as a filmmaker that you can't take your eyes off it, like. The boxing scenes are so beautifully filmed. They're like balletic. They're incredible. And there's like smoke in the crowd and everything. The is it the opening shot of the movie where he's just in his like leopard, uh, uh, whatever you call it, and he's just bouncing around the ring and the music's playing. Right. It's It's one of the most memorable shots of like any movie I've ever seen. It's incredible. Right. Yeah. I just I I rewatched it um, and I saw it with my mother. She had never seen it before. We were in Florida and we saw it in a theater. And you just it's just yeah, it's it's one of the great crimes that the film uh, didn't win Best Picture Mm -hmm. uh, that year. Ordinary Uh, People won. (laughs) Right. And I've never seen that film. I'm not going to say it's uh, a good movie. It's just not Raging Bull. Yeah, but it's I a just, little bit of the Green Book sort of sort of scenario yeah. where people I think give it a harder time than it deserves because it is a good movie. Robert Redford directed it, Donald Sutherland and uh, Timothy Hutton, and also Mary Tyler Moore I think in a dramatic performance that is a right. little bit unusual for her. Yeah, well, would you say this is kind of arbitrary? But would you say that it's probably the best black and white film in the last fifty years? I mean, yeah, I mean it's. I, I, like, would put young, I would put Young Frankenstein up there. And I mean, yeah, Roma really honestly is one of the best black and white films of the last 50 years. I but, love Cold War, but Raging uh, Bull is just, it's a masterpiece. I mean, its you don't want to throw around that word every time you, you talk about a great, like one of the best movies of the year. But Raging Bull truly is a masterpiece. And as long as people are watching movies, Raging Bull will be a movie that people watch. I think it's, right. I think it's available for streaming uh, if no one has seen it. I Netflix, think it might be on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, and the film uh, was co-written by Paul Schrader, which it's it's kind of crazy. I went to a screening of a film that he was talking after, and he was saying that he saw the film when it came out. He didn't really like it and hasn't seen it since. It's one of those where it was, you know, other writers went uh, added to it. Yeah, I, mean, oh, I could see that. It's not his baby anymore like Taxi Driver is his baby. Well, I remember that Woody Allen, who has his uh, memoir out now, uh, but he was saying that, he hated Manhattan so much that he told the studio that he would make an entire new movie with his own money if they didn't release Manhattan. Wow. And a lot of people think that's maybe the best film he ever did or yeah. like top five. So you can't always trust the people who make the movies to have their best opinion about because mm-hmm. like a lot, often directors have in their head. Well, I think they just want to change so much. Like they're such perfectionists that 
I think someone might have said, like, you don't finish a movie, you abandon it. I don't know who said that, but that, I think, is very much how a lot of directors and possibly writers feel about the movies that end up being released. I remember Robert Altman said when he was given his honorary Oscar, you get your friends together, your collaborators on the beach, and you create this sandcastle, and then the tide comes in and washes it away. And that's what a film is. It's like you you put so much effort into it, but at a certain point when it gets released, it's the world's now, mm-hmm. and the film is done, and you can't do anything unless you're like Michael Mann and Ridley Scott <laughs> or and all George Lucas, who <laughs> constantly recuts their movies. But I, yeah, Raging Bull, absolutely worth seeing. Uh, and I think that, you know, my personal favorite film of Scorsese's, I think, is still Goodfellas, mm-hmm. but Raging Bull is. I can't. We did our top five Scorsese. I think Raging Bull was number two for me. Yeah. I mean, I think for Scorsese, this was an extremely important movie. I think remembering, I think from like one of the Scorsese on Scorsese or something like that, one of the books I read where he has a lot of interviews, he said like this is a movie that saved his life because he was coming out of a pretty severe cocaine addiction and I think was even hospitalized when De Niro brought the script to him. Right. He didn't want to make the film. He didn't, He just didn't find uh, an interest in the subject matter, but then uh, De Niro convinced him to do yeah. it and... You know, I mean, anyone back. else making it, 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 it's hard to think of anybody else making it. And Scorsese, I know, like, really is not a sports person. And is this his only sports movie? I can't think of anything else. Well, if you count The Color of Money. Oh, uh, yeah, which I, I saw a lot of people counting, but I don't know. I don't consider pool a sport. It's like considering croquet a sport. Right. Well, do you, can we? Can I mention some honorable mention of movies oh, that yeah. have sports in them but aren't really sports films? So... Uh, two of my favorite comedies of all time are the Marx Brothers film Horse Feathers and the Coen Brothers film The Big Lebowski. I don't think really either of them are sports films, but I mean, Horse Feathers is like, I, I think Duck Soup and the Night at the Opera and Horse Feathers, those are like their top three films. Uh, it's like 64 minutes long. Horse Feathers, hilarious. Is that like, set at a racetrack? No, that one's a day at the races, which is uh, about uh, what is the sport in horse feathers? uh, It ends with a football game. Okay, it's Hmm. it's one where Groucho is the head of a university, and it ends with a ridiculous. uh, I remember there's a part where Harpo ties a string to the football and he throws it, and then he zoop like (laughs) is able to just like a yo-yo zip it back up. But yeah, that one's very irreverent towards uh, the game because the Marx Brothers were irreverent towards everything. And then I mentioned uh, the Big Lebowski, which a uh, bit of trivia, you never see the dude bowl in the entire film. Did you know that? I didn't. I know that yeah. you see Donnie get a strike every time until his last bowl, which is not a strike, and he's like, hmm, that's weird. Yeah, and then he dies, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, comedies ever. And then I just wanted to mention a few films that I think are underrated that I don't think too many people have seen. So Tom Hooper... I think the best yes. film he's directed that I've seen is The Damned United, yes. which is a what you know it should be called football because it's soccer. Yes. We call it soccer, but uh, the one we kick the ball on the uh, ground with the black <laughs> and white, yeah. Uh, but it is one of Martin Sheen's best performances. Michael well, Sheen, Michael Sheen, <laughs> um, and it's just you know it's certainly better than Cats. Let's yes. say that, but I like it even more than the King's Speech, Me which too. I think is also a very good film. Mm-hmm. But um, and also that's one where it's like you you criticize it more because it won Best Picture. Yes. You're like, why did that beat the Social Network? Yes. And, but but The Damned United is a really strong film based on a true story. Um, 
I can't. About remember. Brian Clough, coach of Darby County and Leeds United and Nottingham Forest in the 60s and 70s. That's probably something you know literally. I mean, not like you know about sports, but I can't imagine you know like anything about soccer. No, no. I just know that I rem- well, I remember Charlie Kaufman. This is a really random comment, but he was giving an interview once and they were talking. It was when he was promoting Anomalisa and he, they, he and his co-director were just throwing out the question, who is the most recognized human being on Earth? Like if you I like a celebrity. Uh, well, he, they argued it would be David Beckham. Because soccer is like beloved, like in every country in the world except in America, where it's, it's not really that popular. And that, like, just if you showed a picture of any person on Earth, and like who who would be he played the most for popular. Real Madrid and Manchester United, probably the two most yeah. popular teams in the world. Right. I mean, I know nothing about him except like he's, he's extremely like, handsome and is married to Pop Spice. <laughs> right. But um, but anyway, I just want to mention a few more that I think are underrated. Um, there's a film that came out. Uh, called The Happiest Day in the Life of Oli Maki. It's a black and white biopic that came out in 2016. And it's just this really lovely little movie. Um, it's, uh, I wanted to get it right. It is a Finnish movie. And I just saw it because it got really good reviews. Um, it has a 83 on Metacritic. And that's also a really good recent black and white film. Uh, it's It's just a... I don't know what else to say about it. It's just, it's a really lovely little movie, like beautifully made. What is the sport in that movie? It's a boxing film. Okay. Um, And then I just wanted to mention uh, another, uh, well, this is a kind of cage fighting movie. (laughs) This shows you how great my mother is. So I'm born on Christmas day. One Christmas, uh, we didn't want to go out to the theater to see a movie. And so I gave my mom like five or six options to watch a movie. And the one we chose and she agreed to it was and, and we both like the movie, but it's a prayer before dawn, hmm. which is just a movie where it's about a guy. It's also based on a true story. It's about a man, an English man who is in, uh, I think, Thailand, and he was arrested for drugs and he's stuck in this Thai prison for months. And it's just so bruising and brutal. I mean, it's like people are being, you know. Uh, you know, sexually, uh, you know, being raped in prison and people are committing suicide to get out of being in this hellish prison. It's like Midnight Express almost. Mm -hmm. But uh, he survives by continuing to train and box in prison. And it's a movie where you almost feel like you need to take uh, get into a bathtub full of ice afterwards because it's just like you just grab your sides because it's so brutal. But it's it's a really good example of a movie that it really puts you through the ringer, but it's you come out the other side uh, with it being really rewarding. And it's just a, a really hard hitting film, no pun intended. Uh, a Prayer Before Dawn uh, came out in 2017, uh, also got very good reviews. And I don't think a lot of people saw it. So, no, I haven't. Uh, yeah, so The Happiest Day in the Life of Oli Maki, A Prayer Before Dawn, and then two comedies that are tangentially connected to sports, Horse Feathers and The Big Lebowski. So what are some of your honorable mentions? And you can say if you've seen any of these. The first one, Tathering Nights, the greatest NASCAR movie ever made. I've only seen... Okay, so I saw Mad Max Fury Road five times in the theater, but I've only seen two films three times in the theater. One was Inglorious Bastards and one was Talladega Nights because it was like at the height of, I was like the perfect age, like yes. Will Ferrell. I was seeing all of his movies, <laughs> you know, at Elf and Anchorman and, 
it's gloriously stupid. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, Anchorman's still my favorite, but uh, Talladega. And it's also one you should always stay through the end credits. It has a great end oh, credits. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, but I love just going on YouTube watching the bloopers and the ones <laughs> Adam McKay, you know, he's just like yelling. He does this sometimes. He'll just like yell out 10 different versions of the line. <laughs> like little kids like, I'm only eight years old, but I'll get, I'll kick Oh my God, the kids in that movie are just hilarious. Yeah. 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 Greatest generation of my ass. Tom Brokaw's a bitch. <laughs> I'll be on you like a spotter monkey. Right. And it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's stupid, but it's really, and I, I forgot Amy Adams is in it. Yeah. Kind of she it's like around delivers the time. an incredible performance as the assistant yeah so vice was not the first adam mckay film uh-huh. uh cool runnings have you seen that about the jamaican bobsled team one of the last movies starring john candy and yeah my favorite john candy performance happy gilmore yeah I look, Salem movie. well i was gonna say i looked on wikipedia under sports films and bobsledding i think that cool runnings was the only film listed under that sport <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those movies I think I might have seen when I was like really young, but yeah. I don't remember it at all. Except I remember I know of the movie. That's a movie I watched a ton when I was a kid. But yeah, Happy Gilmore, which I think is better than Caddyshack. Okay, I hate Adam Sandler, except he's great in Punch Drunk Love and uh, Meyer Witt Stories, and especially Uncut Gems. Like Jones. his his dramatic roles. You but think even... he's too much of a man child in his comedies. Even his quote-unquote good early films like Billy Madison and The Wedding Singer, like I hate those two. I just, I it's like nails on the chalkboard. I just, they're just not funny to me. Oh, and maybe uh, you just had to, I don't know. I love Happy Gilmore. That's for me one of the funniest movies ever made. Uh, remember the Titans? Have you yeah, seen that? I, I, no, but I remember my brother complaining about they showed. He said, I think I saw that in high school like ten times, like every oh, grade. Yeah. Like, that was definitely like show. a one we have nothing to do in class. Uh, maybe a substitute teacher put on Remember the Titans. Yeah, it's because a lot of history teachers also are like football coaches mm-hmm. or sports uh, people in the school. So I like, oh, let's watch Remember the Titans. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I've actually missed. I, I don't know if you think of it this way, but there's this whole group of like 2000 to the present of like these sports movies based on true stories like Miracle and Remember yes. the Titans. and most, uh, Dis- most are Disney movies, actually. Right. And what's the one uh, where the whole team died in a plane? Uh, we car? are Marshall. Right. Yeah. So uh, which would you say is the best of those Disney? Was Definitely Remember the Titans. The Blind Side won Best Actress for yeah. Sandra Bullock, which is ridiculous. The yeah, Blind Side is a bad a, movie. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't think it's – I think she gives a really good performance. Well, she's in good it, at it. it but Charlotte, I, Charlotte Gainsbourg should have won Best Actress for Antichrist that year, but that was never going to happen. <laughs> Uh, the Natural, which you mentioned before, yeah. Major League, which I think is an incredible baseball comedy. Yeah, Have I haven't you seen, seen Major that. League. No, but I, I did teach the women directors class last semester, and I watched A League of Their Own for the first yes. time. Which is, that is another tough. one not for me. Yeah. Uh, Rudy, one of the great football movies. Yeah, that's one of those ones I haven't seen. Uh, White Men Can't Jump, another Ron Sheldon movie. I haven't seen that. Uh, Breaking Away from the seventies about cycling. Good. Yeah, I haven't seen Very that. good. And my last good. one is Without Limits, the Steve Prefontaine movie. Great, great track movie. That's one yeah. that, like, if you didn't run track, there's no way you saw that movie, but it's fantastic. Steve Prefontaine for track people is an icon, and that is yeah. – it actually came out the same year as another Steve Prefontaine movie with Jared Leto that's called Prefontaine in one of those classic deep impact Armageddon scenarios where you have two movies yeah. about the same thing. 
like Capote and an Infamous mm-hmm. came out, and the, and the Illusionist and the Prestige. Yes, exactly. I, I, I love it go, when that happens. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I agree that. Well, I don't like Happy Gilmore, but Caddyshack is a movie that has some really funny scenes yes. and some really, you know, Rodney Dangerfield just like they basically were like, "You be Rodney Dangerfield," <laughs> and Bill Murray's hilarious. But yes, it's it's a very hit or miss movie. It's yes. worth seeing for the stuff that is funny. I think like the but, first 45 minutes are not as funny as people remember. It, it ends up being really great. There are some iconic scenes like uh, when, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the one who's in Fletch? Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase, yeah. When like he hits his ball into Bill Murray's house and he's like making him drink and like cannonball. That all stuff is hilarious. But it is it is really hit or miss. And I think it's actually aged kind of poorly. It feels like a very old movie when you watch it. And it, yeah, like when people compare it to Animal House, Animal House is much better, much I, more. I think so. Right. Um, well, I mean, uh, I just want to mention a few more since you've listed so many. Um, <laughs> another uh, older one. It's actually been. It was. Well, we're recording this tonight, and obviously you can't watch it because it was on tonight. But there's a movie called Million Dollar Legs that's on Turner Classic Movies uh, tonight. And it came out in 1932. It stars uh, W.C. Fields and Jack Oakey. Most people, if they know anything of Jack Oakey, he played the Mussolini-like character in Chaplin's The Great Dictator. Ah. But Million Dollar Legs is like one of those just like totally zany, like 62-minute, like barely an hour-long comedies from the early 30s. That's It's, it's like Duck Soup because it's a fictitious, uh, fictitious um, country. And it's just totally ridiculous. It's like surreal and just like throw every little stupid gag at the screen and it's uh just it's just a really funny it's about the olympics i see right yeah it's just totally silly it's like one of the silliest movies uh but uh it's it's really if you want to watch it's a it's a mankiewicz movie that's why it's on tcm because they're doing their mankiewicz weekend right 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 um and let me just look real quick at my list of things that uh popped out as being uh were there other oh i haven't mentioned mo- any boxing movies one that i like a lot is the fighter yeah i need to rewatch that one. i i don't remember not i remember thinking that was like a really like well acted well yes. made movie yeah. that i kind of was like eh, like i, I don't know I, did. I think christian bale's really fantastic in it yeah even though it's like i'm gonna win an oscar type performance <laughs> it definitely is yeah yeah but um oh, let me mention one more uh have you ever seen the baseball film sugar no, I heard that's really good. That's about yeah, that's like an really immigrant uh, trying to make it in American baseball, right? Yeah. It's the directors who went on to direct Captain um, – Cap- what's the one with Brie Larson? Oh, Captain Marvel, the yeah. the male-female co-director right. who also did the Mrs. B. Grind. Is that the name of it? Right. And didn't they do – am I making this up? Did they do ha- uh, Half Nelson, the one that Ryan – No, I think you're right. I think they did do that. Yeah. The, the teacher yeah. drug addict drama. Right. And um, – I was just looking over my list of oh, – well, we both reviewed it earlier on the show. Uh, we both really like High Flying Bird. Yes. That's a, a really recent one Also that's available good. on Netflix. And, yeah. And uh, one I thought that was underrated last year um, came yeah. out early in the year with F- Fighting With My Family. Did you ever see that? No, I didn't. That had a really high score on Rotten Tomatoes uh, yeah, and starred one of my favorite actresses. Yeah, it's um, Stephen Merchant wrote it, uh, directed it, and had a small part in it. And it ha- a great year last year for what's her name? Midsummer, Little Women. Florence Pugh. Florence I, Pugh. Yeah, who was nominated for supporting actress for Little Women. Which have you have you seen Little Women yet? 
I know I missed it because I kept. Well, okay, so I I, list, I read the whole book. Okay, so hopefully oh, really? some of the yeah ho- some okay I I read a little bit of it and then I listened to the rest of it <laughs> on counts. audio. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, so I still have the version with Catherine Hepburn and the one from the '40s with Elizabeth Taylor and June. So Allison you're really going to get Jan- the full experience before you see the newest one. Yeah. I don't know if I need to rewatch. I don't. I don't know if I need to watch the version uh, that was on television that has the oh, mother. Maya Hawk? From, uh, the uh, what's the one from last TV year? Sh- Family Ties. No, no. There was one with uh, Meredith Baxter and William Shatner in it. Whoa, was that from like the seventies? Yeah. And, well, there's been like five versions in the last like few years. Yeah, there was, there was the Maya Hawk BBC one that came out two years ago, which also that- had the girl from. Uh, big little lies in it was angela lansbury in one of them i think probably (laughs) yeah and then there was one that looked like it was like a modern retelling it has the woman from back to the future that looked like it had like no connection to little women except like it was like base do you know what i'm talking about no not at all yeah look up little there was one like two years ago that stars the woman from back to the future leah thompson is that the actress yeah yeah Yeah, it's just like yeah so there's uh, and there's a silent version no, but fighting yeah. with my but family anyway, so is a I do wrestling have... movie, right? Right, and it has a good cast. It has uh, Vince Vaughn and The Rock, and uh, who um, who else shows up? Nick oh, Frost um, plays the father. Yeah, and yeah, that was a really charming movie. I thought it was under. And then Oscar nominee for best picture. I thought Ford versus Ferrari. Yes, was just really. Yeah, terrific. that was exceptional. Right. So, and uh, I'm not a huge racing fan, but it, I mean, even for me, that made me interested in racing. Right. So what are some uh, – I just want to mention real quick some ones that I haven't seen that I actually do want to see. I mean way on the list is Hoop Dreams, which Mm -hmm. I now have on Criterion Blu-ray. I've heard the setup is good. It's a Robert Wise film. Yes. Eclectic director did The Haunting, West Side Story, Star Trek, The Motion Picture, The Sound of Music. Uh, It's it's like 75-minute – black and white film noir boxing film from the 50s uh senna uh, directed by the same director as amy one of the great sports documentaries about a formula one driver yeah yeah uh this sporting life i've heard is uh yes. terrific you said that you're a fan of that movie yes. Lindsay anderson uh, who appears in chariots of fire <laughs> right the setup came out in 1949 actually it's uh stars robert ryan mm-hmm. uh yeah it's uh just 73 minutes long and I do want to see, uh, you did mention it, um, Breaking Away. I've heard that's yes. a really uh, wonderful film. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. Well, I'm teaching if I have enough enrollment. And it's all the classes are going online now this summer. But I'm teaching a class on Scorsese. There's only three of his narrative films I haven't seen. And one of them is The Color of Money, which I've heard is like one of his lesser films. But I still it's want still to really see good. it. Yeah. And, and you I think about... one best actor for Paul Newman. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's an example of like, oh, like we better get achievement award. Yeah, he should have won for the verdict. He should have won for other stuff. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, well, the hustler is a really good film. That's uh, if you want to count that. The hustler uh, is much darker than I thought it was gonna be. (laughs) Yeah, I read the novel. You know, it's did you know the guy who wrote the novel also wrote the novel of the man who fell to earth? One that was the David Bowie film. How about that? Yeah, it's like people don't realize sometimes. They did you know the guy who wrote. Bridge on the River Kwai, the novel, also wrote the novel Planet of the Apes. <laughs> no, I had Same. no idea. Yeah. So, the, you know, not only directors can be eclectic, but uh, authors can too. No, yeah. you don't usually think of authors being eclectic. Usually you think they have their one genre 
like John Lacar in spy books or in Ernest Hemingway with men under pressure. But yeah. yeah. Any really awful sports films that are you like, well, one for me, I was looking at the list. I remember when I was young, I saw um, a movie called racing stripes. Oh, that's, that's a about movie. a zebra. Yeah. But it has an insanely good cast. I mean, let me read off the, oh, I mean, not all of them are like the greatest actors ever, but uh, the cast includes uh, Bruce Greenwood, Hayden Pantier. Uh, how do you say it? Panettiere. Panettiere. Yeah. Uh, Wendy Malick. The Titans. Yeah. M. Emmett Walsh, Frankie Muniz, Mandy Moore, yes. Dustin Hoffman, Whoa. Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> Joe Pantaleone, Snoop Dogg, Jeff Foxworthy, Michael Clark Duncan. That's a. That's that might inc- be one of the most insane casts I've ever heard of. Yeah, but <laughs> Frankie okay, well, Muniz in the same movie as Dustin Hoffman just makes no sense. Yeah. Okay. What is the best performance ever by a sports figure in a film? Jim Brown and the Dirty Dozen for me. Okay. Jim Brown actually was like he like really had a career. Also, he did. yeah. I because uh, most sports fe- people are not very good actors, but Kevin Garnett was good in Uncut. He Gems. was good in Uncut Gems. Yeah, but playing himself is a little bit easier. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the worst, also, it's not a sports film, but uh, Shaq and Kazam, or what is that? Also Shazam, Sha- Shazam, also Shaq and Man of Steel. Pretty much Shaq and anything. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. And, well, one thing I was interested in um, that you know they were doing a they're do well they still are doing a sequel to Space Jam. Yes, starring um, LeBron James. I know, but do you know who the original director was going to be? Oh, it, it was going to be uh, from Black Panther, right? Well, no, it was this guy named Terrence Nash, I think was his name. He's like this really interesting um, director. Uh, you know, he's like made these like really arty films. And uh-huh. I think what happened is they were like, yeah, we realize that, you know, you're not going to do what we want to do. Yeah, Ter- Terrence Nance, N-A-N-C-E. Yeah, he was going to direct it and end up dropping out of it. Because I, I feel like he wanted to do, like he would have wanted to do something. And it would have been yeah, like, like uh... Spike Jones doing or uh, what's his name? Uh, not Simon Pegg. Who's the director of the Simon Pegg movies? Hot Fuzz. Edgar Wright doing uh, right. Ant Man. Um, Ant Man. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I think anything... uh, Ryan Coogler was attached as a producer for that. Maybe my confusion. Oh, oh. One one thing I need to do is I've only seen Rocky and Creed. What what's your uh, view Rocky of the 4. Rocky series? Rocky Four was yeah, the best Rocky movie. Also, Rocky Three really? is very good. The one with Clubber Lang, Mr. T. Rocky Two really? is yeah. Rocky Three is really good. Rocky Two not so good. Rocky Aren't Five the... terrible. Why? Well, I was doing the research uh, on the second Rambo film for my class, and um, the third Rambo film came out. Well, no, wait. The the fourth Rocky film came out the same year as the second Rambo, and the fourth Rocky. You said that the fourth one's the best to you. It's my favorite. It, it, and. Yeah. <laughs> it won a bunch of Razzie Awards. Yeah, yes, that's because the Razzie Awards can be very mean spirited sometimes. Uh, Rocky Four is by no means a great film. Like you could say, Rocky is like actually a really good movie. I mean, it won Best Picture. Rocky Four is not a masterpiece, but the training montage of Rocky Four is one of the most inspiring pieces. It's one of the most inspiring montages you'll ever watch. It just wants you to get up and like do some exercising. And also the villain Ivan Drago. Uh, played by Dolph Lundgren is for me the best Rocky villain. What does he say? I will crush you I, or something. I must break you, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so I but I thought Creed was really good. The yes. first like, Creed is good. Yeah, Creed two not as good as Creed one, but also but pretty good. Yeah, they. Uh, I never thought I would say it, but when the Oscar nomination, when, it, Sylvester Stallone should have won the Oscar for best supporting actor that year instead of uh, Mark Rylance for Bridge right. of Spies. Yeah, that was the, one where Sylvester Stallone was like, "What the hell? This was supposed to be my night." Well, I think that he had alienated a lot of people in Hollywood. That's and, probably uh, true. But, yeah, he's, you know. But do you have any other uh, final thoughts or wrap-up about sports films? Not too many. Um, <laughs> this was definitely one of the more out-there topics we've done. Okay, list one. Let's say one more. One, one, one more. Don't don't go off forever. We could keep going, but... Uh, Slapshot. Yeah, yeah, that's a good film. Well, yeah. thank you for listening. Hopefully, sports will be back sooner rather than later to fill this void in my life. Uh, but obviously, there are more important things than sports. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will be back with you all next time. Bye.